So this morning we're going to continue uh, with our study of the mini-series on the genealogy of Aaron uh, that we just read. Uh, family matters. Right? Uh, last week I said that this genealogy was placed here for a purpose, uh, for a reason. What was the reason? First, uh, this genealogy shows us how God has placed fathers as the heads and leaders of their family. Uh, we see our fathers in that list. They're the ones who God holds accountable for the spiritual growth, uh, leadership of their family. Father's the one whom God will hold responsible for, for that. Uh, and later on, at men's ministry, that's what we're going to talk about as well. Uh, so second, uh, this genealogy was put here for this second purpose. Uh, it shows us that Aaron is a legitimate leader. Uh, to partner with Moses. Aaron comes from the, the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe, and is fit to lead alongside his brother. Okay. And third, there are some characters in Aaron's family tree that we can learn practical things from. Just like what I said uh, last week, not everybody in Aaron's family tree is a saint. Some are sinners. We can learn from both. Um, last week we learned from... Um, Aaron's grandfather, Kohath, and his brothers, the granduncles of, of Aaron. Right? They all served as priests in the tent of worship and were responsible for the setup and design of the tent. Practical aspects of worship. Right? That's what they were there to do, to lead practically. Okay? And I said that in our context, this would be the ushers, the deacons, the uh, anyone in the church who helps prepare our sanctuary or our media or our grounds uh, so that we who are in charge of the worship service can do our jobs. Those are sons of Levi. Um, now this morning, we're going to continue to learn from another one of Aaron's family members. Uh, we're going to take a look at the life of Phineas. Who is Phineas? How does he relate to Aaron? He is Aaron's. Grandson, he's Apo. <laughs> okay, Aaron's grandson Phineas. Check out Exodus six twenty-five. Eleazar, Aaron's son, so Aaron's son took as his wife one of the daughters of Putiel, and she bore him Phineas. And these are the heads of the fathers houses of the Levites by their clans. So when you look at that, uh, who is the father of Phineas? Eleazar. Right? Grandfather Aaron. Right? Uh, but there is another name mentioned there, Putiel. Who is he? Uh, well, not much is mentioned about Putiel in the text other than being the father of the wife of Eleazar. Uh, now, extra-biblical text, however, uh, they say that Putiel was an Egyptian or an African. Uh, the name Phineas itself comes from the Egyptian name Panihasi, which literally translates to the black or the Nubian. They were from Egypt, Africa. Uh, now, what can we learn from Phineas, the grandson of Aaron? I want you to read Numbers 25, 1 to 9. You guys read it out loud.
Okay. So that's the story of Phineas. Something happened there that we're going to take a look at later. But before, let me give you a background to this. Uh, so before this, e this event took place, the people of Israel, on their way to the Promised Land, were camped in the plains of Moab. This is back in chapter 22 in Numbers. Now Balak, if you guys, remember, if you guys know the story, Balak, king of Moab, saw what the Israelites did to the Amorites before they came to Moab. Okay, Chapter 22, again, uh, in, in Numbers. And he was overcome with fear of the people of Israel. Because Israel just manhandled the Amorites. Because of the help of God, they took over and they destroyed the Amorites. So Moab, the king of Moab, seeing that, he's like, oh no, they're coming my way. I'm in trouble. <laughs> right? So long story short, the king of Moab summoned a prophet of God named Balaam. And tried to convince him to curse the Israelites to prevent them from taking over Moab the way they did the Amorites. The king Moab tried to convince the prophet Balaam three times to call up a curse on the Israelites. But instead, God blessed and protected the Israelites. That's long story short. If you want to read it, read Numbers 22. So God has been protecting them all this time from the king of Moab. Okay? Now they're encamped by Moab. Right? How did the Israelites respond? What did they do after being protected by God this whole time? Check out Numbers 25, 1 to 3. Verse 1. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These daughters of Moab invited the people to their sacrifices of their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor. What happened? The anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun. For the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges, or sorry, that's it. Uh, where, where are my numbers? Yeah. So what happened? After protecting them, the Israelites, from the king of Moab, the Israelites turned around and did this. They hoard themselves to the daughters of Moab. They worship the God of the Moabites, right? Instead of being thankful to God, that's what they did. They committed sexual immorality. Not only that, worshipped and bowed down to the God of the Moabites, the Baal of Peor. This angered God. And his anger burned so much that he commanded Moses tell his elders, kill anyone who has worshipped the bell of Peor. So while this was going on, while the elders are out there, you worship, you're dead. You worship, you're dead. Right? While this was going on, um, while they were weeping for their sins, while this was going on, somebody, one of the Israelites, guy's name was Zimri, 
in utter defiance towards God, brought a Midianite woman, her name was Cosby, into his tent in full view of everyone. So this man didn't sneak up, didn't sneak the woman in. This man boldly displayed this sinful act while everyone else was weeping over their sins and while God's judgment was being done to them, right? Because of their sins. This guy took a woman. It's like if my kids were got in trouble for, you know, staying up, and I told them, don't stay up, you're going to be, you're going to be in trouble, and they blatantly say, no, nope, I'm going to stay up, play my video games. This is what this guy did. They were in trouble for doing that, for whoring themselves to other women. This guy brought a woman while they were all weeping into the tent to do you know what. I don't have to explain it to you. This is where Phineas comes in. Right? 27, uh, 25, 79. Verse 7. When Phineas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose, left the congregation, and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them. Man of Israel and the woman through her belly. That's the plague when the people of Israel was stopped. Phineas went in there, speared the man, and the spear went through the man and into the woman, killing them both. So again, if you, if you were picturing this, right? While everyone was weeping for their sins and they see Simri and Cosby blatantly commit another sin, the sin that they were weeping about, Phineas decided to do something about it. Phineas went into the tent and where Zimri and Cosby were and with a spear killed them. Now, when I first read this story, okay, I was expecting God to punish Phineas for what he did. Right? Because Phineas took the law into his own hands, took the place of God as judge, and he condemned Zimri and Cosby to death. Remember who did that? Who else did that? Out of his anger, Moses right? killed the Egyptian. Right? Moses never got punished. <laughs> Well, Phineas as well, right? Because this act somehow stopped the plague of death that God was, has declared to all who worship the Baal of Peor, right? It stopped the death. Although a lot of people died. It says there, how many people died? When you, you guys read it? 24,000 already died, but they were going to get killed. All of them was going to get killed because they all worshipped the idol, right? But Phineas stopped it, stopped the plague. Question is this, how did that act of Phineas stop the death of the rest of the Baal worshippers? And then what can we learn from that? What can we learn from Phineas, the grandson of Aaron? I check out Numbers 25, 10 to 13. The Lord said to Moses, Phineas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel in that, he was what? Jealous 
with my jealousy among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. 12. Therefore, say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him the covenant of perpetual priesthood, because he was, again, jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. It was the jealousy of Phineas for God's honor that saved the, Israel, the Israelites. Right? Reichen comments this, by taking his stand against evil, Phineas has propitiated or appeased or satisfied God's wrath. The Bible uses his zeal as an example of justifying faith. For in the Psalms we read that Phineas stood up and intervened and the plague was checked. This was credited to him as righteousness for endless generations to come. Wow. So out of all the people, and again, we'll probably do a sermon on, is it okay to commit immoral acts <laughs> for God? Because that was immoral, right? It was against the law. Um, that's a different sermon though. Um, so out of all the people that were weeping for their sins, only Phineas had the faith to actually put a stop to it. And for that, not only did he save the rest of the idol worshippers, God blessed him and his generations. Why? Again, because he burned with jealousy for God's honor the way God burns with jealousy for his own honor. He was jealous for God. Interestingly, the Hebrew word for jealous is kana, Q-A-N-A. No, not skana, uh, kana. Uh, the Hebrew word for jealous, kana, Q-A-N-A. It has an equivalent word in Greek. Greek word for jealous is zelos. This is where they, we get the English word zealous from. Why is that significant? Because the jealousy of God is different from the way we understand jealousy. And this is where the word zealous comes in. Right? In fact, Tagalog, we mix it. We mix it up. The word Tagalog word for jealousy is zealous. We mean jealous. But in, in Greek and in, 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 in Hebrew, they, they, they do mean the same. Being zealous and being jealous. Right? Now, here's the thing though. Please don't confuse being jealous or zealous with being envious. That's different. Right? To be envious is to have a strong desire to gain possession of something that does not belong to you. If you're envious of somebody... You want something that they have, doesn't belong to you. You're envious. Right? And that is always sinful. That's in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not covet. Right? That's envy. Jealousy, on the other hand, is a strong desire or a zealousness to maintain relational faithfulness that you know belongs to you. That's why there's a jealous husband. Not envious. He's jealous because that's my wife. <laughs> what are you doing with, right? Especially if the wife is the one who's 
or the husband is the one who's with another woman, the spouse gets jealous. Why? Because they're zealous for their spouse. You get what I'm saying? Right? Because that's them. They know it belongs to them. They want that faithfulness to be reciprocated back. That's God's jealousy is like that. And according to one article in DesiringGod.org, and I quote, God's jealousy is his righteous and loving demand of exclusive faithfulness from his covenant people. Because God rightly loves his own glory and graciously loves us, he demands that we worship and serve him above all. He wants that, not because he needs it, but it is because it's the best for us. And again, this is a different sermon. I'm not going to get into this for But let me just say this. The reason why God is jealous for his own glory and for his own worship is so that you can have joy that is above and beyond the joy that this world can offer. Let me put it that way. Right? That's the reason why. He wants us to be with him. Because he wants the best for us. And he is the best. That's why he's so jealous. He's zealous for his own honor and his own glory. Now imagine God's jealousy for his own honor and glory being felt by someone else. And this time it's a human being. Or say another way, if God is that zealous, if he's burning hot jealous for his own honor, that he commanded Moses to tell his elders to kill everybody who worshiped Baal, then we understand why Phineas did what he did. If he had the same jealousy as God had it as his own for his own glory. Right? Jealousy of Phineas for the honor of God was burning white hot, the same as God's jealousy that he did whatever he had to do to stop the dishonorable act of Zimri and Cosby. Even commended him for it. And he even made a covenant of peace and perpetual priesthood for him and his descendants. Right? Now, how does this apply to us? What does it have to do with us? Well, take a look at the main themes of the story. These are the main themes of the story, so you can see where it fits into our lives, okay? Main themes of the story is, number one, God's faithfulness to the Israelites. Remember, he protected them from the Moabites. Number two, Israel's blatant neglect of God and his commandments through the sin of idolatry and sexual immorality. That's what happened. Right? Main theme. Third, when they did that, what happened? God's wrath came on them. Right? It was put upon them. Fourth, what happened after God's wrath was placed upon them? Phineas felt the same jealousy as God for his own glory and honor. And fifth, after Phineas did what he did, God acknowledged him and rewarded Phineas and his descendants. Those are the main themes of the story. How does that fit in our lives as Christians? First, application. First application. Do we feel the same jealousy for God's honor when it comes to our sins? Do we feel the same jealousy for God's honor when it comes to our own sins? 
Who here is a professing Christian? Raise your hands. Nobody. Okay, let's try that again. Who here is a professing Christian? Who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Don't be shy. Romans 1.16. I'm unashamed. Okay, don't worry. I'm not going to make it a, tell you to do something. I know, I know that. I don't want to raise because he's going to make me do something. No, I just want to see who the Christians are. Almost everybody. Right? How did you become a Christian? Jesus died once and for all to redeem all of us, professing Christians, from the penalty of our sins. How does that fit in the theme of the story? God's protection is upon us. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. His protection and salvation is upon us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you this. Who here still sins every day? How come we are fast at that? Yeah, yeah, I do. But when it comes, who saved? Uh, everybody still sins every day, and we deserve God's wrath, right? How does that fit into the story? The theme of Israel's blatant neglect of God and his commandments. The sin of idolatry and sexual immorality led to God's wrath. Now, the Bible makes it clear that still sinning every day is not the issue that angers God. Why do I say that? Our sinning every day as believers, that's not the issue that angers God. And I say that because of 1 John 1 9. You guys recite 1 John 1 9. If we confess, our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Why would he put it there if he has an issue with sin? Why would he have that little clause there that a lot of us turn to? That's our 911 when we sin, right? First John, John 1 9. Okay, it's probably okay, good, good. Whew, I thought I was dead. I thought I was going to hell. <laughs> that's, that's the clause, right? So that's not the issue. That's not what God takes issue at. That's not why he is angry main issue for God, or before I say that, the reason why he's not angry at that is because Jesus has already paid the price for that. Right? And we say, yes, we believe in him, therefore, you're included in the salvation. Right? That's not the issue. main issue for God is if, here, let me say this slowly. The main issue for God is if, is if, if, and how. We fight against the temptations that surround us and sin that surrounds us. Because if you don't fight, then what were you saved from? Right? Are you still a slave to sin or are you a slave to righteousness? The Bible says when you believe in Christ, you're now a slave to righteousness. You've been freed from being a slave to sin. But if you don't fight, who are you a slave of? That's his issue. That's the problem. Right? It's not the sinning part. First John 1 John 1.9 is there. Right? The issue is how we fight, or if we fight, and how we fight against the temptation and sin. And this is where Phineas comes in. The jealousy of Phineas for God's honor. Right? The Puritan, John Owen, once said this, Be killing sin... Or sin will be killing, be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Is this us? 
do we feel a burning white hot desire for the honor of God that fuels our battle against our own sins? Do we feel that? Is that, is that what you use to fight against your own sin? You feel jealous for the honor of God. So that when you see the temptation of sin, you're like, no, that's dishonoring God. I feel jealous for God. I'm going to kill that sin. Are we sensitive to the sins that we commit no matter how small? And the more you get closer to God, the more you get more sensitive. The more you're further away from God, the more you're like, eh, this is fine. Eh, this is fine. Are we sensitive to that? Our fight against temptation and sin is a fight of faith. Why do I say that? This is how you fight against sin, supposedly. I'm going to put it in the form of a question. Are you convinced that whatever sin offers us in terms of enjoyment or pleasure is nothing compared to the joy we find in knowing and being known by God? That's the fight of faith. You convince that God is better than what sin is offering. That's every day, the fight of faith. Right. Let me give an example. Someone, okay, let's, let's say this. Someone cuts you off. You are driving. You're doing the speed limit. You're in the slow lane. You're good. You're singing worship songs. Right? Christians. Right? You even have the bumper sticker, the fish. In the back, okay, telling everybody I'm Christian, and then on the plate number is John three sixteen. <laughs> Blatant Christian, <laughs> yes, I'm a Christian, yes, and then somebody cuts you off. It's that point where you have to be like, am I Phineas, or am I just one of those weepers, right? Am I Phineas or one of those people just, just weeping for their sin? Because what, what happens there? The sin of anger, sin of rage is crouching at your door. So waiting to pounce. The question is, do you have the zeal for the honor of God as we profess to be Christian, right? Do you have that zeal to take God's spear of promises, so I'll be our avenger. <laughs> and then kill that sin of anger and rage. Think about it. You probably just did it on the way here. Right? <laughs> you probably just... Oh no. I forgot my spear at home. Let me cut this guy off. Right? Do we do that? Do we take... Do we take offense... When somebody or something is going to dishonor God, especially our sin, and do we take the spear of his promises and... <laughs> right? Or do you cut him off anyway? <laughs> you just, oh yeah? I don't care how much gas is. I want to floor it. And then you, when you get to the front, you slow down. Just to make him mad. Then you hit the brakes quick. To get him to hit his brakes. Right? 
And then the guy gets close enough to your car, to your bumper, he sees the fish sign. John 3.16 on your license plate. Worship music blaring. What's he going to say? Man, these Christians are. <laughs> these are bad Christians. Here, like, what's going on? Some aggressive Christians. They must be from the States. <laughs> what's that church name in the States? Some crazy Christians in the States. Uh, Westboro Baptist. They must be from Westboro Baptist. How does that honor God? How is that dude going to look at a Christian and be like, oh, wow, their God must be good. If we don't have that zeal to fight our own sin. So again, ask yourself questions. Especially those of us who are professing Christians and have all those stickers and, right, on your license plates. Are we like Phineas? Do we have a jealousy for God's honor when it comes to our own sin? Kill it with God's promises. Second, thought that was hard. Second, do we feel the same jealousy for God's honor when it comes to a brother or sister in the church who is in clear, unrepentant sin? <laughs> do you feel the same jealousy for God when you see somebody in the church who is in clear, unrepentant sin. Mm. No, more, no more giggles. <laughs> Nobody's giggling anymore. Right? What do you do? In other words, if there is a Zimri or a Cosby in our church who is blatantly committing a sin, do we feel the same jealousy for God's honor? Like Phineas. And like Phineas, are we doing something about it? <laughs> this is hard. Because this is, we're talking about other people's sins. Well, you're going to come out, oh, oh, they're judging me. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians? Judge those inside the church, not the ones outside. Those are professing Christians. That's when you look at it and say, well, you're a Christian, but why are you? Why are you doing this? Do we have the same zeal for God's honor, just the same as Phineas, when it comes to the people inside of our own church? For example, okay, when it comes, and, and this is, you know, you've always heard me talk about this, when it comes to gossip in the church, that's blatant sin, right? You know it's wrong. And it's not just wrong in here. It's wrong outside. Right? You can get fired from... I used to work for a bank. You can get fired if you were gossiping in the bank. And not just gossiping, slandering. If you do that in the bank and they found out, you can get fired. You lose your job. Right? So it's blatant. It's wrong inside and outside of the church. Right? But there are still some who do it. Now, they do it in secret. Right? But what do we do about it? Because sometimes that secret makes our way to us. 
So when someone approaches you and tells you, Brother, may scoop ako. Matindi to. Scoop. Actually, it's a double scoop. It's not a kid's comb. It's a double scoop. What do you do? That's blatant sin in your face. Do you feel jealousy for God's honor? Do we, do we do that? Do we feel jealousy for the honor of God? Or when somebody in the church is slandering another person? What does slander mean? It's spreading news about a person that is not true. Forget the person that's being slandered. Do you feel jealousy for the honor of God? Because the sin is right in front of you. You feel that jealousy for God's honor. What do you do about it? Phineas was commended and rewarded by God because he felt jealous for God's honor and glory. Right? Because listen, if you let these things just slide, and some of us, they don't, we just don't let it slide. We even help propitiate. <laughs> we scatter it. Right? Oh yeah? Who said that? Oh, yeah? Okay. Don't tell anybody. Don't worry. I won't tell. And then? <laughs> oh, oh, guess what? So I'll be the end of that. Bato-bato sa langit, tama ay? Sana nga, magalit kayo. Phineas was that. He cared so much, burned so much for jealousy, for God's honor. I can't sit there and just watch this thing happen. Did something about it. That's what we can learn from Phineas. Not to go and kill a, a, a gossiper, okay? Don't do that. Let me spear this person. Pastor said, spear them. Uh, no. No. The sin is the problem. Because anybody can be changed by God. Amen? There's a power in the gospel. Even the worst gossipers. Right? So, the sin is your problem. Not the person. The person you try to save yeah, through the gospel. Well, that's what Phineas did. Uh, and he got commended for it. Right? Uh, Riken comments again. Phineas went on to become a great leader in Israel. He served uh, as a military commander during Israel's battle against the Midianites. He remained faithful during all of Israel's wanderings in the wilderness so that God allowed him to enter the promised land. Later on, when civil war threatened to break out between the tribes of Israel, Phineas helped keep the peace. It was his descendants who became the high priest of Israel, which probably explains why Aaron's genealogy ends with him. So who are, you know, it's like what I asked last week, who are the sons of Levi? Who are the Phineases? <laughs> Who's a Phineas in here? Not afraid to confront people, uh, confronting your own sin, and killing it daily with the promises, the spear of God's promises. Is that us? If not, God is merciful. God is gracious. Ask him, make me like Phineas. Make me like Phineas.
So, so far, we've seen the two saints or four saints in Aaron's family tree. Gershon, Kohath, Merari, and Phineas. Next week, we're going to look at the sinners. <laughs> okay? Two sinners in Aaron's family tree, and we'll see what we can learn from them. Amen? Let's pray. The Lord bless you and